while we are receiving our offering, I, uh, I just want to go ahead and uh, take a moment and brag on Mark. Uh, we had an uh, opportunity this weekend. What was so wonderful about this weekend with Hearing the Voice of God seminar, it wasn't just our church. We had partnered with several other churches in the city of Richmond here, and it was really a kingdom moment to see different churches coming together and just saying, listen, it, 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 it's, all about, it's all about the kingdom of God, and we're hungry to know more about God, hungry to hear His voice. And I tell you, this weekend, uh, it was, it was uh, one of the best seminars that I have ever been a part of. It really was. A, and I've been, a, I've, I've been in a lot of seminars over the years. It really is. But it's just one of the best. And, and more of that, just be able to get to know Mark a little bit and, and, and understanding and knowing this is not the last time we'll see this man. And uh, when, when you come across someone that's just really a treasure to the body of Christ, uh, you just want to just dive in and take everything you can out of that treasure. And so we are so grateful this morning to have Mark with us. Uh, Mark lives in Orlando, Florida, and uh, uh, he finally, uh, uh, he, he, was, he lived in Buffalo, New, was it Buffalo, New York, for many, many years, and he unthawed and moved down to Florida. And, uh, but uh, we have, I'll just let you know, we have, uh, Mark's written over, I think, 50 books or something, but wow. And so we have some of the resources that were left over from the weekend in the back back there. And we want to, at the end of the service for you to take advantage. Shaki is back there, and she will help you to to uh, take your money and, uh, and and everything. And so uh, some great books. I think there's a couple of books that are left over, The Four Keys of Hearing the Voice of God. Let me encourage you, if there is one book that you buy, that you get that book. And uh, we are going to, starting in January, in our Sunday school program, we are going to be doing the whole series of hearing the voice of God, using, utilizing Mark's curriculum, and because it's so important, so vital, so primary, foundational for all of us as believers to know our Father's voice, to hear it accurately. And so, um, so Mark, come on up here, my friend. Let's welcome Mark Berkeley with us this morning. Everybody, so good to see you. Good to have you. Amen. Amen. Thank you very, very much. It's been a wonderful weekend together. I have fallen in love with this church, with your pastor, his wife, and with all of you, worship leaders, Jason, you. It's been a wonderful, wonderful time. So thank you for inviting me and pray. And I would love to come back. All right. Amen. 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 Well, I would uh, like to share a message with you that the Lord gave me. The, um, when I was about 20, 22 years of age, I was pastoring a church, first church I was at. And uh, I had just read Paul Youngie Cho's book, The Fourth Dimension, which I'm sure many of you have read. Paul Youngie Cho pastors the largest church in the history of the world. It's got at least three quarters of a million people in it, and uh, that's a lot of people. (laughs) And uh, I'm so much a how-to person. As I read his book, the question that was in my heart was, Lord, how does a man do this? Because I would like to do something great for God. Everyone in this room would say that. Amen? Amen. Absolutely. God has put it in our hearts to do something great. 
And, and so I'm saying, how does he do it? Because if I can figure out how he does it, I could do it. And uh, he says, if you want to do something great for God, you need to do this and this. And I said, yes, I, I, that sounds absolutely right. At the same time, I was reading Kenneth Hagin's material. He's the father of the faith movement. He's got a Bible school in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's got a whole network of churches that span the world, faith churches that preach a message on faith. He was healed by faith of an incurable disease at about 11 years of age. The Lord just gave him Matthew 11:24, and uh, he claimed that verse, and he got healed in his bedroom, all right, through faith. And so he met, spoke a message of faith for the rest of his life. And, and I thought, man, this guy's built a Bible school. He's built a network of churches. How did he do that? Because, again, I just, I'm always reading for how-to, you know. <laughs> People read for different reasons. I read for how-to. He says, if you want to do something great for God and get a miracle, you have to do this, this, and this. And I said, yes, that sounds absolutely right. But I said, that's totally different than what Cho said. Cho said those two, and he said these three. Now I'm confused. So um, I'm at my altar in prayer Sunday morning saying, God, they, it worked for both of them. What they said worked for them, but it was two different things. And could you help me understand this? And he did. It was, it was his voice, spontaneous flash. He put it together like a hand in a glove. And I said, God, thank you. Jumped straight up, preached it that Sunday morning. And I preached it pretty much every Sunday morning since then. And I have lived out of it for my, the rest of uh, since then. So I want to share it with you. It's, uh, we've t- titled it Everything from the Dream Maker to How to Have Mountain Moving Faith. And this morning our PowerPoint says How to Have Mountain Moving Faith. So we probably got that that we can put up. And uh, we should just pray for God to anoint it. Uh, Father, we just offer you our hearts right now. Just lay your hand in your heart and just say, Lord, I open my heart to you. Holy Spirit, minister truth and revelation and empowerment into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me share with you what the Lord shared with me, how to have mountain-moving faith, how to, how to fulfill the dreams that God has placed in your life, how to fulfill the destiny that God has given to you. What he showed me is that we have five senses in our spirit, which we have listed down the left side of that chart. And what God wants to do is fill those five senses. And when he does fill them, we get the chance to birth a supernatural miracle out through our lives. And the first sense of our spirit is our ears of our heart where we can hear a rhema word from God. And uh, the second sense is the eyes of our heart where we can see vision. And Jesus said, I only do those things I hear the Father speak and see the Father doing. So for Jesus, those two senses were absolutely primary. He lived out of hearing the voice of God and seeing the vision of God. How many would expect a miracle needs to begin with the voice and vision of God? It doesn't begin with me in action. It begins by me hearing something from God. So uh, that means we have to learn how to hear God's voice. This weekend we worked on how to hear God's voice. We said God's voice sounds like uh, what? A spontaneous thought that lights upon your mind. Let's say it together. Here we go. God's voice sounds like spontaneous thoughts that light upon your mind, and God's vision is a spontaneous picture that lights upon your mind. Let's say that. God's vision is a spontaneous picture that lights upon your mind. Now, that's really simple, really easy. How many of you know we all have spontaneous thoughts and pictures on a daily basis? And so it's not really hard to get a word from God or a vision from God. It's very, very simple. It's very childlike. It's got to be childlike because to enter the kingdom, we have to become like children. So uh, I have a granddaughter. Her name is Becca. She's six. She can hear God's voice and see visions and see the angels around her all the time. 
So if I can become childlike, if you can become childlike, we can do this. Those are the first two senses of our spirits. We spent the weekend talking about that. Your church is going to be offering a course starting in January on how to hear God's voice. We have put that material in a book called Four Keys to Hearing God's Voice. It's Sunday. We really should give one of these away, I think. Ought to give it away to somebody who will not only read it, but pass it on to somebody else who might enjoy it. So if you're willing to read it and pass it on to somebody who would enjoy it. Oh, my goodness. I saw way too many hands up. (laughs) But the first one I did see was over here. All right. So uh, I'm so, so sorry. I should have had about a half a dozen to give away. I can see that. All right. So um, read it. Enjoy it. Pass it on to somebody. All right. And... uh, And the rest of you, by all means, come to the class in January, right? All right, 10-week class, four keys to hearing God's voice. We guarantee you, you will hear God's voice and see vision on an easy, effortless, daily basis. If you don't, it's a money-back guarantee. Whatever you pay him for the course, he will give it back to you. Isn't isn't that very nice of of Pastor Doug? Yay, Pastor Doug. Yay. All right. Okay. Okay. we, We got that established. All right. So. All right, those are the first two senses. We get a rhema word and we get a vision. And those are the two senses that Paul Young Cho emphasized. He said, you need a miracle from God, you get a rhema word from God, you get a vision from God. That's conception. If you go across the chart, you'll see that we say now that God has he's conceived a seed into your spirit, which you could grow, become very pregnant, all right? And that whole growth process, the incubation process, is the next three senses of your spirit, which are the three senses that Kenneth Hagin focused on. He said, if, you, if you've got a need and you need God to meet it, you need to get a scripture verse or a word from God and ponder it, speak it, and act it. That's it. Ponder it, speak it, act it. Say that with me. Ponder it, speak it, and act it. All right? So pondering is the third sense of your spirit where you take your inner mind and you mull over what God has spoken to you. Luke chapter 2, verse 19 is an example of that. It is uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. She, was, she said she pondered in her heart... The rhema words that the angels had spoken to her. In her heart, she mulled it over. Ponder. All right? It's deeper than thinking. I'm rolling it around. I'm picturing it. I'm praying over it. It's a much deeper process than Western thinking. It's pondering, not thinking. Say pondering. All right? It's a different thing. And I think you know what it feels like. You're lost in thought. You're picturing. You're, you're not tuned to the outer world. You're tuned inward. Ponder. All right? Next sense of your spirit. And, and when you ponder. Or, um, okay, so your inner mind ponders. Next sense. Number four. Inner will where you make decisions which you speak forth. Acts 19.21, Paul's on, uh, on a, uh, his way to Jerusalem, and Agabus, a prophet, comes up, and he ties Paul's hands up with a girdle. And he says, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be tied up just like this. And here's what Paul's response is. He says, I have purposed in my spirit. Say that with me. I have purposed in my spirit. This isn't a decision of his soul. It's not a preference of his soul. It's a conviction in his spirit. I didn't even know I could make decisions in my spirit. I didn't know I had that, a will of my spirit, because I wasn't taught that. I was taught mind, will, and emotion were part of my soul. I'm giving you verses here showing you mind, will, and emotion are parts of your spirit also. And when your spirit uses mind, will, and emotion, it's a deeper process that is a birthing process for supernatural miracles. So I, I've... Um, a decision of my soul is a preference. I prefer pizza Sunday night. A decision of my spirit is a conviction. Jesus Christ is the Lord of the universe and my Lord. I will die for my convictions. I will not die for my preferences. You know, if I miss pizza, fine. I miss pizza. All right. All right. So, and we speak it forth. Paul spoke it forth, that conviction. He says, I have purposed to go to Jerusalem. So when you have a conviction in your spirit, your mouth gets involved and you say it. 
And life and death is in the power of the tongue, so you begin to speak life over yourself. And then uh, the fifth sense of your spirit is inner emotions where you feel very, very deeply. Wow, do you want to turn to that verse? First, uh, First Kings 21.5. You got your Bibles? We could just turn there. First Kings chapter 21, verse 5. And uh, the reason I would like you to turn there is I, didn't, I had no idea there was emotions in my spirit. I was taught emotions are part of my soul. I should cut them off because they're unreliable, disgusting, soulish, and pretty nasty. So I cut them all off. I'd only had two of the clerics. I only, only had anger and hatred, a little bit of rage. Cut all the rest of them off for sure. So uh, here, let's look at the story. Verse 2, uh, 1 Kings 21, verse 2. Ahab, the king, he spoke to Naboth, one of his subjects in his kingdom, saying, would you give me your vineyard that I can have it because it's a, as a vegetable garden because it's close to my house and I'll give you a better vineyard in this place or if you like, I'll pay for it in cash. And Naboth said to Ahab, the king, the Lord forbid, whoa, that I would give you the inheritance of my fathers. He's saying no to the king. Guess what? The king is not really used to having subjects saying no to him. So in verse 4, he responds pretty poorly. He goes into his house sullen and vexed because of the word which Naboth the Jezreel said to him because uh, he's not going to give him the inheritance of his fathers. So he lays down in his bed, turns away his face, and eats no food. He's sulking. This is the king. You think we have poor leadership. Look at this here. All right. Maybe you think we have good leadership. I don't know. But only 9% of you like Congress, so most of you think they're not too hot. All right. Well, we've always had poor leadership. But look, this is a king sulking because he can't get his way. And verse 5, but Jezebel, his wife, came in and said to him, how is it that your spirit is so sullen? Say that with me. Spirit is so sullen. That's, that's sullenness, which is an emotion, and it's on the, on the level of his what? Spirit. I didn't even know you could have emotions in your spirit. No one taught me that. All right. So when I feel something deeply in my spirit, guess what happens? According to this story, it affects your behavior. And because he had a nasty emotion in his spirit, he had a pretty lousy behavior. He's laying down sulking. If I had a good emotion in my spirit, it may make me a world changer. I may feel dominant faith and and, uh, excitement and hope and say, we can change this nation. All right? And that could move me to action. So good emotions can move me to positive actions. Bad emotions can move me to negative actions. All right. Now, these five senses are always active and always being used. There's no such thing as you not filling these five senses. You may not be aware of how you're doing it, but after today, I think you will be. I hope you will be. (laughs) That's my goal. Let's run through it a couple times. Let's say you show up for work and your boss shows up and says, hey, we've got this opening at 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 work, a new job. And we're offering it to you. We'd like you to take it. And um, let's do this scenario twice. We'll do it wrong the first time and right the second time. You have this scary thought come to you and say, oh, my goodness, I've never done that. I've not been trained to do that. I'm not sure I can do that. Huh. Well, we fill the first sense of our spirit with a spontaneous thought from the pit of hell, of course. And now let's see if we can get a picture from Satan to go with it. Okay, yeah, here we go. I can just see what's going to happen, all right? I'll try the job, fall flat in my face fail, be the laughing stock, I'll be laughed into oblivion. Huh. Now we've got conception, an idea and a picture birthed by the kingdom of darkness. Let's see if we could incubate that and really birth it. All right. So what's our next sense? We're going to take our mind and ponder it. Right. So all the way home. All right. I'm just pondering that idea in that picture. I've not been trained. I didn't go to college for this. I've never done it. I can see myself failing. It'll be awful. Ooh, God. Third sense filled. Let's fill the fourth one. In our mind, um, where we're going to uh, inner will, where we're going to speak it forth, make it easy. Um, is that right? Yeah. 
Thank you. All right. So inner will. I come home and I share with my wife and I say, you know what? I was offered this new job at work, but I've never been trained, didn't go to college for it, never done it. I don't think I can do it. I'm pretty sure I'll fail. So I'm not going to take the job. I've made a decision. I've spoken it with the will of my spirit. And I go back and act on that the next morning. Inner, inner, inner emotions moving to action. I say, thank you very much for the job offer. I'm turning it down. What have I just birthed in the creative capacity of my spirit? Kingdom of God or kingdom of darkness? I just took the creative capacity within me and birthed Satan's kingdom through it. And when I discovered that, I said, never again. Say it with me. Never again. I am not going to take the creative capacity of my spirit and birth the kingdom of darkness. That is demonic on every level. And I'm not going to participate in such behavior now that I'm aware of it. Let's do it right this time. Boss says, hey, we've got a new job. We'd like you to take it. And I say, huh, Holy Ghost, I'm scared spitless. Do you have a thought here to help me? <laughs> we, here comes a drifting thought. Uh, I have opened this door, and I will go with you, and you will succeed. Ooh, nice, nice. Could you give me a picture? Oh, yeah. See, this is my hand's going to overlay your hand. It's going to be the hand of Christ. You're going to have the mind of Christ. I'm going to anoint your reasoning. You're going to speak oracles of God. You're going to be amazing. You're going to take your breath away. I like that picture. I think I'll ponder that all the way home, all right? That God goes with me, and whatever I put my hand to, he will bless. That's right there in Deuteronomy 28, all right? So, all right, so I'm going to see him blessing me in that job. And I'm going to, I'm going to make a decision, share it with my wife, you know, and say, you know what? I was offered a job. And even though I'm scared to death because I've never done it, uh, I really felt the Holy Spirit say to me that he was going to go with me. He was going to anoint me and make me succeed. And I go back and act on it the next morning by saying, thank you very much. I am taking the job. What have I just birthed in the five senses of my spirit? Kingdom of light or kingdom of darkness? Kingdom of light. Amen. And so I, and I said, God, now that I understand this, and I got Cho and Hagen fit together, their message are a perfect complement, all right, one to another. Because, you know, Kenneth Hagen, he was a right-brainer, very, very much like your pastor. I can, you can just see it in his face. Total right-brainer, all right? Let's prophesy, you know? And uh, so, so Kenneth Hagen... He didn't need to detail steps one and two because it wasn't a specific step for him. He just naturally got a right-brainer. They naturally get flowing thoughts and flowing pictures. And so even though Kenneth Hagin Sr. said, when you have a need, what you have to do is go find a verse that covers it, what I think he really did internally is he would ask the Lord to show him a verse that would cover it. And how many of you know asking the Lord to show it to you means you're now tuned to the voice and vision of God, which means you're going to start with God and not start with me picking the verse that I think I would like. You know, and it's got to start with him because if it starts with me, I'm just going to pick certain verses and skip other ones entirely. Like, like the Holy Spirit leads me to go to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I've never picked that verse and confessed that over my life, you know. So, I mean, but how many know there's appropriate days when that's the right verse because that's what God's doing because he's trying to establish things within you. So you've got to let the Holy Spirit lead the process. And I think the Father of the Faith movement did because he's a right-brainer, but... If you don't, if, if a step comes so natural to you that you don't define it clearly, your followers may not pick it up and do it. So, you know, may, I mean, so maybe some of the followers in the faith movement didn't start with the voice and vision of God and say, I just want three Cadillacs and I'm going to speak it, you know. Well, then, then that might be a desecration of the message. All right. Now, I do go to a Word of Faith church. I love the Word of Faith and I've been going for years and we go to one in Orlando, Florida. It's called Faith World and Clint Brown's a pastor and it's a great church. Um, you say, does it preach a complete gospel or does it only preach faith? It only preaches faith, okay? 
that's not a complete gospel, but you know what? I can fill in the rest, right? I'm, I'm a mature Christian, right? I, I can receive from them the gift they have without having to attack them for not having everything. Amen? Yeah. Absolutely. Because well, it's, it's, it's the same everywhere. There's no, nothing perfect. You know, we just go and receive an impartation. From, you know, if God says go and receive from this church, you go and you receive the, the gift that that church has. And if it's not perfect, guess what? Join the human world. We're right. Amen? <laughs> Amen. It's as simple as that. So, um, all right. So, in every area of your life, you've got ideas and pictures that you're pondering and incubating. Uh, for example, concerning my health, you know, I, I've got an idea, and so do you, of what your health is going to look like over the next 5, 10, 15 years. And it's an idea, and it's a picture you're believing for. You're probably speaking it, you know. And you're probably going to receive it, you know. You will receive it. Because whatever you believe for, see, and speak, you do receive. It's as simple as that. The Bible is crystal clear that faith works according to your faith be unto you. And so I hit 60, and I thought, well, here's my belief concerning health. I think, uh, you know, I've made it to 60. I'm pretty decent health. I think I'll just kind of slowly drift on down, you know. And uh, that's a really demonic idea, in case you're wondering, okay. And I no longer got that idea created in my mind, and God convicted me of it by leading me to a guy in, in YWAM in Hawaii who had just beat uh, Lyme's disease, and he was training. He was my age. He's training for triathlons, all right? And uh, I thought, training for triathlons at 60? What's wrong with you? Anyway, so I prayed about it, and God said, no, you don't drift slowly down. You take care of yourself, and you stay in good health until the day he takes you home. Amen. And so, fine, I bike ride seven or eight miles every morning in Florida. Florida's a nice place to bike ride, in case you're wondering. All right, it's a great place. My wife comes with me. It's a wonderful activity that we can do together. And on weekends, we go 15 miles, and since I'm here, we'll do it on Monday. We'll go 15 miles, all right? It's fun. It's enjoyable. I'm getting healthier. I'm getting better, all right? And I'm not drifting down. I'm drifting up. So I had an idea for my health, and it was a demonic idea, and God replaced it just like that with a divine one. And I am incubating vibrant health till 105, and then we'll reevaluate at that point in time, all right? <laughs> that is the current vision, all right? And I plan on getting there because I plan on doing all the stuff right that I know I have to do to get there because I know there's a few things you have to do right to get there, all right? So I'm working real hard on it, and i got a whole slew of blogs coming out on what God's talking to me about doing right now and what we have begun to do. And my wife has joined the vision. And we're doing it together. How many of you know when you team up, you're a whole lot better off than if you don't team up? Amen. One puts a hundred, what, a thousand to flight and two, ten thousand. Is that the number? Whatever. I forget that. Oh, we have a Baptist pastor here. Okay, well, right brain, so he doesn't. His wife, you were left brain. What is, what's the verse? One can put a, two can put ten thousand. Well, thank you. All right, okay. Presbyterian. All right, we bless the Presbyterians. They got scripture down too. Ten times more effective if I team up. Say, I'll team up. And hopefully you get your spouse to team up with you because, man, it's better to do everything together as a team. It really is. All right? So pray for God to convict your spouse. Praise God. So their life is ornery and miserable until they're doing the right thing. Glory to God. Of course, they'll be crabby to you until they say yes, Lord. But that's just part of the pressure of a Christian life. All right. So... May let them be crabby. Who cares? All right. More conviction, Holy Ghost. Yay. All right. So you've got ideas. You've got ideas and pictures for health. All right. You've got ideas and pictures for your finance. All right. 
Um, I had a, a demonic one for that, too. I had demonic pictures for pretty much everything and ideas. I, you know, um, I, you know I, we were tight financially a few years back, a couple of years ago, and Patty told me about it in the ministry because she pays all the bills because she had tried to get me to do it, and I don't balance checkbooks. So she took it back and said, fine, you can't be a mature adult, so I'll handle this, all right? So uh, I thought if it was $100, it's close enough, you know, and she didn't think so. She was... She was very, very irritated with me over that. So, um, so she told me the money wasn't doing so well, and so I muttered something inside of me that I have believed all my life. And what I muttered was, never enough. I believed it, I pictured it, I spoke it, and as soon as I muttered that, <laughs> spontaneous flowing thought came drifting on in, which was, more than enough. Would you like to say that with me? More than enough. You want to say it again? More than enough. One more time. More than enough. How many of us a beautiful picture? And I just re- renounced and repented the nasty demonic belief and picture that I had about never enough and said that's a curse and that's a lie and that is not biblically true because God says you will have, I will bless your barns, I'll bless your crops, and you will have more than enough. Matter of fact, he actually says more than enough numerous times when he talks about his blessing. I didn't even know he said more than enough. And when, once he spoke it as a rhema word, I went back, got my, just typed in my concordance, more than enough, and popped up a whole bunch of times. He said, I will give you more than enough. So now whenever I'm feeling a little bit tight, like there's not quite enough, guess what I say? <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that you provide more than enough. Isn't that great? You get to incubate prosperity instead of incubate poverty. You get to birth prosperity instead of birthing poverty in your life. Amen? Amen. So we took care of health. We took care of finance. Took care of marriage. Let's do marriage. You got a picture for your marriage, all right, and an idea. It's one of three, probably. One is that we're going to have an exquisite marriage. It's going to be awesome. going to fulfill my spouse. They're going to fulfill me. We're going to be happy. We're going to be blessed. We're going to help each other in the ministry, achieve the ministry goals and objectives. That could be one vision. Or your other vision could be, we're just going to muddle on through here. We don't like each other all that much, but we're stuck with each other, so whatever, you know. Or um, the vision could be, I know where we're headed. This is going for a shipwreck right here, okay? So there's no chance that you don't have a picture similar to one of those three pictures. And how many know if you're incubating the first one, you're building a better marriage? And if you're incubating the second or third one, you're incubating something demonic and nasty and corrupt, which is destroying your life and destroying your marriage. And the beautiful thing is we can repent and say, oh, God, I'm sorry. That's a nasty picture. I reject that, all right, because I'm here to fulfill and to bless my wife and to help her accomplish the, the vision and goal that she has in her life. And you know what? My wife's vision and goal for ministry is about a thousand times bigger than mine. And my vision and goal for ministry is we're going to saturate the world with a message of communion with God. God gave it to me 30 years ago, and I've been working on it for 30 years. Hers is many times bigger than that. When she first told it to me, I, said, I just kind of laughed and said, well, that'll never happen, you know. And um, how is that for a really unsupportive husband, you know? Golly, you know. And I even said some things kind of leading to that direction to just demolish her hope. Now, that is demonic on all levels. And. And when she told me that her hope had been damaged by what I'd said, I repented right away. And uh, I'm believing for her and with her that she can do that. Now, the thing is a whole lot bigger than either one of us can take, can do. It's easily going to cost a billion bucks with no problem at all, if not more. But how many know that doesn't really make any difference? 
there is more than enough. And if God has called her to do it, I mean, she's got the whole thing incubated. She's got it all written out, the vision. It's in her files. She's believing God for the provision. Why can't I believe with her for it? Amen? Why not change the world, okay? Why not believe for the supernatural? I can believe for natural. I can believe for supernatural. We're supposed to be supernatural children of the king. Amen? All right. So you've got a vision for your marriage and for how you're going to bless your spouse. All right? And your children. You've got a vision for your children. How are they going to grow up? Are they going to grow up becoming fervent for the king? You know? Is that your picture? Or are they going to go through rebellion? Um, make sure you're picturing the right stuff. All right? So in every area. All right? Uh, there's a vision. So let's take a look at Abraham. He's the father of faith. And uh, he's the next column over there. Let's turn, if you will, to Genesis chapter 12. And uh, we'll talk about this guy. Now, when God calls him the father of faith, would you say father of faith? Now, what in the world does it mean when God calls somebody in the Bible the father of something? It's the beginning of it. And, and I think, to me, what I think it means, one of, the thing that, one of the things I think it means is that in that person's life is modeled every key element that I would need to implement in my own life if I wanted to be a child of faith. So the steps that I need to take to be a child of faith are modeled in the father of faith. Let's take a look and let's watch God fill all five senses of Abram's spirit with himself, one after the other, and he births a supernatural miracle that transforms the world. So where does Abram's miracle begin with? Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, So his faith walk began with what, according to that verse? A, a rhema word and a vision. They're both. The word of the Lord came in a vision. So he's got a picture and he's got a word from God. That's where it begins. Saying, Do not fear, Abram. I'm a shield to you. I'm a reward uh, you shall be very great. And, um, all right. Am I not? I'm in the wrong passage. Stop. We're in chapter 12. Did I say 12? Did I tell you 12? Yes. I'm reading 15. Forgive me. All right. Chapter 12. And the Lord said to Abram, the Lord said, all right. So it began with a spoken word, a rhema word. Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to a land I'm going to show you. I'm going to make your, you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. You're going to be a blessing. I'm going to bless those who bless you. The one who curses you, will, I will curse in you. All the families of the earth will be blessed. If you think that's a pretty positive word to have in your journal, in your prayer time, some, some morning during your devotional time, how many would say amen? amen? Now, if you had something that positive when you were in prayer and God was speaking to you, how many would say, hallelujah, God is going to use me in a great way? And be fairly happy. If you would do something like that, would you say amen? amen? How many in this room would say, I rebuke that demon of pride. God couldn't use me that great because I'm a miserable, low-down sinner. Anybody? No, don't, don't, vote. don't vote for that. All right? So, so it, I mean, it's possible to have an abortion instantly. It's possible when God speaks a rhema word to you, you can just laugh and say, I can't do that. Well, of course you can't do it. If you could do it, it wouldn't be supernatural now, would it? And God's not offering natural Christianity. He's offering supernatural. All right? So I don't really care what you can't do or what I can't do. I can't do any of the stuff I've done. I've built a university with 6,000 students, 110 nations, and written 50 books, and I can't even spell, all right? <laughs> For heaven's sakes. But at least I married an English major, so that really helped a lot. But, and, and I can't speak. I was scared of public speaking growing up, you know? So I, mean, I couldn't do any of the stuff I'm doing, but I just decided to say, yes, Lord. Can we practice yes, Lord? 
Yes, Lord. Because if you say yes, Lord, how many know you can get an overlay of the Holy Spirit that makes you a thousand times more than you are in the natural? Amen? And how many most people in the Bible looked at their natural ability and said, I can't do it? And God said, I don't care. I can do it. You know, so we, could we just say, I won't look at my natural abilities? I will look at God and his supernatural ability. And I will believe for that to flow through me. Because that's his plan. And I say yes to his plan. All right, so we've got a rhema word. So now let's watch God give him a vision. Now we'll go to Genesis 15, the verse I was reading earlier for you. All right, Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So now in addition to getting a rhema word, he's now going to get a vision. And in verse 5, here's the vision. He takes Abram outside. He says, now look towards the heaven and count the stars if you're able to count them. He said, so shall your descendants be then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. What is God giving to Abram in verse 5? He's giving him a vision of the stars of the sky. He says, see the millions of stars? You're going to have millions of kids. And as soon as God gives him a picture, what does that produce in his heart? Verse 6. Faith. Would you please say divine pictures? Divine produces faith within my heart. So when I need faith... To cast a mountain into the sea, I will ask God for a rhema word and for a vision of the event fulfilled, and I will hold that, and I will look at it, and I will birth it, because whatever you look at kind of grows within you, all right? Lord said this to me. He said, Mark, he said, whatever you fix your eyes on grows within you. Whatever grows within you, you become. And so if he'll fix his eyes on millions of kids, faith for millions of kids will rise, grow within him, and he'll become the father of millions. I'll tell you where I used to fix my eyes. I used to fix my eyes on my sinfulness and say, oh, man, isn't that depressing? I said, yep, sure is. And sinfulness grew within me. Then I'd fix my eyes on biblical law and my inability to, to, to keep the biblical law. And guess what grew within me? Condemnation, guilt, and depression, and meanness, and ugliness. Then I fixed my eyes on my strength to keep the law. And if I was able to do it, then we built within me pride because I could keep the law. And God said, don't fix your eyes any of those places. Did I ever tell you to fix your eyes there? I said, you must have. I've been doing it all my life. (laughs) He said, no, I clearly said, fix your eyes on Jesus, who's standing right here. I behold the Lord always in my presence. He is at my right hand and I will not be shaken. Acts 2.25, that is King David all right, a man after God's own heart, that's what he did. Picture Jesus. How many know if you picture Jesus right there next to you, helping you in everything you do? How many know you just went from here to there? And how many know he clearly is right there helping you with everything? And if you see it, we say a picture is worth a thousand words. So it's probably going to have a thousand times more impact to change your life than if you just think it. It sure seems that way here. Because as soon as God moved from a rhema word to a vision... As he moved to a vision, he comments on the, on the deepened level of faith. Because I said, God, I said, you know, you didn't bother to mention faith back in chapter 12. And I know he had faith in chapter 12 because he left Ur of Chaldees and came to Israel. That takes faith. Why did you wait till chapter 15 to tell me he had faith when I know he had faith three chapters earlier? And God says, because when I give you a picture to go along with the rhema word, that picture has the power to deepen and concretize your faith so much, it's worth me commenting on the deepened level of faith. 
I said, I got it. So I need a faith of my a picture. I need a picture of my body healed. I need to see myself at 105 vibrantly alive. And I saw the picture about three weeks ago on Fox News. They were interviewing a guy, 100 years of age, and he had a microphone on. He had all of his faculties working. He was a live dude at 100 years of age. I said, if he can do that, I can do that. I have a picture. He gave me a picture. All right. And I gained for 100 for about a week. And then I said, no, it should be 105. So we're at 105 currently. But at least I got a picture. I know I can be 100 in vibrant health. I saw a guy. All right. All right. So I've got a picture. All right. So we filled the second sense of his spirit. All right. That's good. All right. Now conception's taking place. So we got a seed placed inside this guy, this person, which could, he could incubate and he could birth a child. All right. Anyone know how old Abraham is when God says he's going to uh, be the father of many nations? He's actually 75. Anyone know how many children he actually has? He has exactly zero. How many think that could be a small problem? How many believe that could be a larger problem? I mean, okay, so I, I could see myself explaining to God, like, God, excuse me, <laughs> this is the area that I don't perform very well in at all. You must think you're talking to Susanna Wesley. I'll bet you do, because, you know, because, you know, I, I have a better idea. How about if you'd say we're going to bless the world through, through my wealth, because Abraham was a multimillionaire, because that's like my strength. And God said, no, I don't think we'll do it through your strength. Well, how about if you bless the world through my political leadership, because Tradition says he was king of Earl Chaldees. God said, no, I don't think so. I think we'll take your weakest area, and we will bless the world through it. At that point, I get to say, yes, Lord, or this is a joke. I'm out of here. <laughs> Can we practice yes, Lord? Yes, Lord. Yeah, you see, if I don't dismiss it all and say, I can't do it, well, of course you can't do it. If you could, it wouldn't be Christianity. All right? If, if I don't say that and say, yes, Lord... I get to be a world changer, and so do you. And how many know our nation needs world changers? They need us out in the street changing this society. And we're the people who are supposed to be the head and not the tail. We're called and destined to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, and lend and not borrow. And we could get there if we had a vision for it. I didn't even have a vision for leadership. My vision was I just wanted to be a worm for God and just crawl along the floor. I had a verse to cover it, thou worm Jacob, you know, and I said, just, you know. And God said, Mark, he said, Mark, stand up and lead. I said, it sounds like pride. He said, it won't be pride if you stand up and lead for me and give all the glory to me. It won't be pride. You'll be fulfilling your destiny. He said, if you're not willing to stand up and lead and say that and speak that, then you're not going to become a leader because you're not going to become something you're not even believing for or have a vision for. I said, okay, I'll stand up and lead. What do you want me to do? He said, I want you to saturate the world with the message of communion with God. I said, oh, first time he said, I want you to saturate the nation with the message of communion with God. I said, okay. Two months later, he said, I want you to saturate the world. I said, which one? He said, it's up to you. You want to believe for the world, you can have it. You want to believe for the nation, you can have that. I said, I'm a high-risk dude. I'm going for the world. So I went for the world. I've traveled the world now for 30 years. We've seeded the world. We have students in 110 nations who've taken the course that you're going to be offering here in January on how to hear God's voice. And 100% of the people who take that course are able to hear the voice of God. We are seeding the world. Will we saturate it before I die? I don't know. We might. We might not. All right. And that, and that was a huge block to my faith issue because I thought, God, how about if I, if I confess that and I say, we're going to saturate the world with the message of communion with God and, and we don't do it by the time I die. You know, I'm going to look like a moron. And I, and I really hate looking like a moron. I mean, people around my casket, the cynics, they'll be laughing hilariously. And even though I'll be dead, I'll still be embarrassed and humiliated, you know. So 
so, so the bad, nasty picture right there. So, you know, so I got this horrible picture, like me being laughed at because I didn't saturate the world with the message of communion. So I'm not going to confess it because what if it doesn't happen? God said, tell you what, if it doesn't happen in your lifetime, here's what I'll do. He said, I'll put you in Hebrews chapter 11 as a hero in faith. Because those guys all died in faith, believing that God, what he said, was going to happen, even though it didn't happen in their lifetime. I mean, God said, when did God bless the world? Through Abram's seed. When Jesus Christ was resurrected, which was 1,500 years after Abram died. I said, God, I don't want your promises to happen 1,500 years after I die. I'd like them to happen within 15 minutes of the time that you speak them. That is, you know... I said, God, and God says, well, who, who writes the rules? I said, philosophically, you do, but I have some improvements here, you know, that I'm offering back. God said, Mark, how about if you just practice, yes, Lord, all right? Because if, if you kick against the pricks, how many know you get no, nowhere, all right? Just depressed, all right? So, fine. So, so, how many of you know the picture, a hero in faith, is a whole lot better picture than a moron? Because the, the picture of a moron makes me not want to say anything. The picture of hero of faith means I'll confess it till the day I die. Because if I die and it hasn't happened, I'm a hero. Don't you love it? God is constantly displacing demonic pictures within us and giving us divine ones so we can go from here to there and be full of life and not death. I love the process, and I love being a part of that process for 30 years because he's cleaned out my insides so much, and he's continuing to clean out my insides day by day, and he will yours. As you take this course, you journal, you hear his voice every day, he will clean up area after area after area after area. All right? Okay, so um, two senses are filled. Conception is taking place, 75 years of age, no kids, but that's okay. He's uh, not going to have an abortion. He's a man of faith. He tries to get his wife pregnant for a whole year. At the end of a year, how many kids? Zero. Not a problem. He's a man of faith. At the end of five years of trying to get his wife pregnant, how many children? Zero. Zero. No problem. At the end of ten years trying to get his wife pregnant, how many children? Zero. Zero. How many are getting depressed? (laughs) And say, God, you spoke it. I believed it. I acted in faith for ten years, and you didn't even show up. Now, if we can go forward one PowerPoint, please. Here's the kind of stuff that Satan's going to be trying to do during that ten-year period. Assuming we can actually go forward a PowerPoint. There we go. Good. Satan's on the left side. He's the accuser. He's a condemner. He's a father of lies, adversary. He's here to steal, kill, and destroy your faith, hope, and love. How many believe there's spontaneous thoughts going through your mind from Satan saying, hey, moron, that wasn't even God who said you're going to bless the world through your seed. That was just a spirit of pride. You're just an arrogant old fool. And you know what? Even if God planned on using you at one point in your life, he's changed his mind. You know why he's changed his mind? Because you're a miserable, low-down, habitual sinner. You actually had your wife sold into a harem because you didn't have enough faith to believe God could protect you from the king. So you're not really a man of faith. You're a man of fear. And plus, you're a coward. Plus, you got your wife in a harem. How many think it's fairly bad to move your wife into a harem? <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. And, and Abraham says, yeah, but I repented. And Satan says, you didn't repent. If you would have repented, you wouldn't have done it the second time. Did you do it the second time? How many think it's pretty bad to move your wife into two harems? Because you're full of fear. Faith is not this guy's strong point. Fear is his strong point. I started out as a mighty man of fear, too, and I was so sick of myself, I couldn't stand myself. I started myself right where Abraham did, man of fear. But I'm a man of faith now because God changed me, and he can, he can change every one of us. Amen? All right. So um, now we got the Holy Spirit on the right side. He's giving you nice thoughts, not nasty ones. He's comforting you, speaking truth, edifying, teaching, exhorting, giving you abundant life, and he's saying, Abram, it's okay. 
God knows your weakness. Uh, he knows your frame. He knows your dust. He made you out of dust. It's no big deal. And yeah, you made a mistake, but guess what? It's atoned for. It's going to be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not a problem at all. It's covered. It's okay. But I did it again. It's okay. I don't care. Seventy times seven, he'll forgive you. Makes no difference. It's, there's no end to his forgiveness. Just press on. Doesn't bother him at all. Let the blood wash it away. All right? And if you believe the Holy Spirit saying stuff like that to every one of us, would you say amen? See, I, I got both of those two voices as spontaneous thoughts in my mind all the time. And I used, to give, I used to give my mind over to the accuser. And I don't anymore. When I get those negative accuser thoughts, I say, go to hell. I'm, well, not, I'm sorry, it's Sunday morning. I just, <laughs> I'm supposed to be a little nicer on Sunday morning, okay? I'm, that's what I say on Monday, okay? And Sunday I say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I bind you and command you to leave right now, okay? So, all right, let's just keep it clean on Sunday morning. Okay, now your pastor is much nicer than me. I just want you to know that. So follow him, not me. And any way he corrects my sermon is okay. He'll do it next Sunday. All right. I can't come back. Okay. My invitation just got withdrawn. All right. See, I, yeah, that's the way life is. What can I say? Okay. So <clears throat> tell you what, I am violently opposed to negative crap inside of me. And one of the ways that I do come against it in violence is tell it to go to a warmer climate. And I don't really mean Florida, okay? I mean, I, I'm just sick to death of the fact that he has wrecked so many years of my earlier life. He is not going to touch it anymore. All right? Hallelujah! Amen! Yeah, you just need to, you just need to get intense about the whole thing. Amen? Yeah! Amen! Break Satan off from you. Amen? Yeah, we don't need him anymore, all right? Let's move on to the next PowerPoint if we can, all right? Before I say something more that gets me in trouble. All right, so. All right, so. Okay, who's going who's gonna to fill the next sense of my spirit? We're down to what? The third sense of our spirit? Inner mind. All right, Romans chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. If you got your Bibles and you want to turn to Romans chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. We'll see. Does demonic negatives fill his mind, the accuser, or is it the father of faith? Verse 20. Yet with respect to the promise of God, Abraham does not waver in unbelief, but he grew strong in faith. Say that. He grew strong in faith. Isn't it nice that you can grow strong in faith? You don't have to start out as a man of faith or a woman of faith. You can start out as a child of fear, just like he did, and you can become a child of faith. Don't you love it? All right. Say, I choose to grow strong in faith. I choose to give glory to God. Being fully assured that what God has promised me, He will perform it. And that is reckoned to me as righteousness. I receive it. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. So you tell me who fills Abram's mind, demonic negatives or Holy Ghost positives? Holy Ghost positives. Three senses filled. Now we're going to fill the fourth sense of his spirit, inner will where he speaks it forth, Genesis 17. If you want to go back to Genesis, we're going to end this uh, story in Genesis. Genesis chapter 17, um, verse, verse 5. Genesis chapter 17, verse 5. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be what? Abraham, for I will make you the 
father of a multitude of nations. If you know what the name word Abraham means, would you shout it out? Father of many nations. So now he is 99 years of age with no children by his wife. A newcomer shows up in town. He says, hello, (laughs) my name is Abraham. I am the father of many nations. And the guy says, where? He says, in here. (laughs) How many know you look really ridiculous right there? And I said, God, tell you what, you get my wife pregnant first, and then I'll confess I'm the father of many nations. God says, no, why don't you say it first, and then I'll get her pregnant second. I said, no, it takes you forever to start anything, so I think you should start it now. (laughs) And God says, Mark, you need to speak the things into existence. God spoke the worlds into existence. And if you're unwilling to speak it and call it forth, you're not going to release that creative energy, and you're not going to make it happen. I said, could you help me understand it? He said, yeah. He said, it's like when you worked on construction crews in college. You would build two-by-four forms, and you would pour concrete into it. And when you speak, you are pouring spirit energy into the form that your words take. Because the word, the word breath and spirit is the same word in the Greek. And all this energy that's been growing inside of me because I've been looking at that vision. I'm going to have thousands of kids, thousands of kids. I'm going to saturate the world, the message of community of God. I've been looking at it and looking at it and looking at it and looking at it. And all this energy is growing and pulsating because how many of you know whatever you look at, energy grows in light of that. And now i got energy pulsating inside of me and I speak it forth and say, I am the father of many nations. We're going to saturate the world with the message of communion with God. And that spirit life creates according to the form of the words that I give it. And God is the one who gives the words. I don't confess anything I want to confess. God tells me what to confess. He says, say it this way. Say, your name is Abraham. So he's... So this also perfects the faith movement. I don't just confess any old thing I want to confess. I say, Lord, what do you want me to speak in this situation and birth? And he gives you the words to speak rather than you picking the words you want to speak. Got it? Amen? All right. So we get to speak life or death over ourselves. And I've chosen to speak life over this nation. I believe this nation's had revival in the past. I believe it will have revival in the future. I believe God is not done with this nation. This nation is filled with many, many, many Christians who are going to have a profound impact and continue to bless the world for many years to come. Amen? I believe I and we can and will be part of that revival that will sweep this nation. God will take healing to the street, and we will take healing to the street, and we will lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover right there in the grocery store, and that will cause the glory of God to spread across the land because the church will be different than the church of the past. Hallelujah! That is what I believe, and that is what I see, and that is what I press into, and that is what I am becoming and asking you to become. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. You've got to say something, and I'm sure not going to depress, confess darkness over this land. I'm not going to fill my senses and my spirit with darkness, because I'm the light of the land. And if the light of the land is no longer the light of the land, we have forfeited, for, forfeited our, our role in society. And unfortunately, many Christians have forfeit their place in society because they're believing for darkness. And they're speaking darkness and they're picturing darkness. And that's a lie from the enemy because the most high rules. Satan does not rule. The most high rules. And his government increases without end. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. All right? All right, so he's now filled uh, the fourth sense of his spirit. We're going to fill the final sense, inner emotions, move him to action. He's going to act. Genesis chapter 17. We'll stop at verse 10 just for one moment. 
Verse 10, this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and your descendants after you. Every male shall be circumcised. Now, he's never mentioned circumcision before, which means as we walk along this path of faith, God will have instructions for us to follow. He says, okay, this, this day, this year, this month, I want you to do this to birth that promise. And we need to be listening to the instructions day by day so we don't miss them. All right. And in verse um, 19, end of the verse, um, Let's see. Where are we? No. Verse 20, 23. Verse 23, end of the verse. On the very same day that God spoke to Abram, he had his family circumcised. Would you say very same day? day. Would you say instant total obedience? He has come to a point in his life that when God speaks a word, he does it just like that. And how many know that's not where he started? Because when he started, God said, leave your... Urukaldes and leave your relatives. Did he leave his relatives in Urukaldes or bring them with him? He brought them with him. Would you please say he began in partial obedience? And he ended in full obedience. And I think that's true in our lives. I mean, when God began to speak into my journal, I learned how to journal and hear God's voice in 1979. All right, the course that you're teaching here in January. And when I began to journal, God spoke things to me that were so huge. I said, well, I I think I could believe for like half of that maybe, you know. And God said, that'll be fine. So I believed for half of it. And then after a few more months of journey, I said, well, I think I can maybe believe for the rest of it now. And God said, that'll be fine too. Isn't that nice? He walks with us. He starts where we're at and he takes us where he wants to go without even kicking our head on our way through, you know. So pretty nice, very different than me. I usually kick people's heads in, starting with mine, working out to yours, all right. I do it in Christian love, so it's okay. So, um, <laughs> all right, so there we go. We got all five senses filled. Let's move on to uh, see what happens, see if we can actually birth a miracle. We actually do birth a miracle. It's chapter 21, if you want to go, go there. Chapter 21, verses 1 and 2. The Lord took note for Sarah. As he had said, the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Say, as he had promised. And Sarah conceived. Say, say that. Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abram in his old age at the appointed time. Say appointed time. Please say in the fullness of time. God brings it forth. It's his time, not my time. So relax, smile, believe, it will happen. Now, of course, verse 5, it happened when he was 100 years of age, which is 25 years after God first gave him the promise. Yeah, wow is exactly right. I've explained to God that 25 years is way too long to begin the fulfillment to a promise he gives to me. I really think 25 minutes is a much better time frame. All right? And he didn't end the promise until 1,500 years after he died. But guess what? Time makes no difference. Please say, time makes no difference. Say, it's all about faith. It's not about time. All right, you're just supposed to die believing, okay? So I said, I think I got it. You know, die believing. You know, don't die grumbling, all right? The Israelites in the wilderness, they died grumbling. They went three days with no water. How many know three days with no water in the wilderness? You are ready to die. And you know what they said at that particular point in their their lives? They said, we're going to die, is what they said. And uh, so they're picturing they're going to die, believing they're going to die. And God said, guess what? You are going to die, okay? That was not my plan for your life because I told you earlier I've given you the promised land. I told you earlier of the increase of God's government, there will be no end. But you wouldn't believe that. You're going to believe for the increase of Satan's government. So guess what? You get it. They got it. 
All right, they died. All right. I don't want to die. I don't want to, I don't want to believe for the increase of Satan's government. I want to believe for the increase of God's government. Amen. And I want to live and not die. All right. And um, I said, God, what would they have had to say at the end of those three days with no water? They're at the point of extinction. They're ready to die in order to have passed the test. Because he said, you guys just flunked the test. In order to have passed it, what would they have had to say? God said, they would have had to say, God is my provider. I trust in God. I said, I think I got it, God. So the next time I'm ready to go down for the third time and sure I'm going to die, I'm just simply going to say, God is my provider. Say it with me. God is my provider. He just wants me dying, if I need to, saying God is my provider rather than grumbling. Because if we grumble, he killed 14,701 day and killed the people the next day who grumbled also. So God doesn't want us grumbling. Amen? Please say no grumbling. You can die. Oh, whatever. Okay, moving right along. That's not very word of faithy, is it, to say that? All right, so I repent on the spot. Okay. Now, there is one little section we skipped here. It's called Death of a Vision. The reason I skipped it is because I don't like that particular section. It's kind of painful. So if you would like to just cross those verses out of your Bible, it wouldn't be in your Bible anymore, and you wouldn't have to go through it. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, that might not work. All right, so... Just in case you have to go through death of a vision, let's see what it is. Chapter 16, verse 2. They've been waiting for 11 years, and God has not gotten his wife pregnant. So after 11 years of confessing believing the promise, they decide to have a committee meeting and see if they come up, come up with a really good idea to help God fulfill his promise in their lives. Here's their committee meeting, verse 2. Sarai says to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing a child. Please go into my maid. Perhaps you can obtain a child through her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. I have a loaded question to ask, and if any man answers it wrong, they will not eat for several days. (laughs) Is it okay to listen to the voice of your wife? Smart men. Really smart men. The answer is yes, as long as she is listening to the voice of God. Amen? It's the same as the question, is it okay to listen to my voice? Yes, if I've been listening to the voice of God. But if I haven't been, if I have, God hasn't spoken to me on the topic, I have nothing to say. I mean, if you ask me a question that I've never journaled about and don't know what God has actually said, I'm going to tell you, I don't know, I've never journaled about that. Because why would I want to give you what I think is right? Because man's thoughts are not God's thoughts, so what I think is obviously going to be wrong. So you don't need that, so I'll just tell you, I don't know, I haven't journaled about it. I'll be glad to journal about it and tell you what I get, all right? He listens to the voice of Sarai. Do they actually bear a child? And does this child, is he a male child? Does he grow up? When he's 12 years of age and ready to bear a seed line, they're showing him off to God saying, God, look what we have produced for you. This is impressive. Let's take a look at that conversation. You want to? Chapter 17, verse 18. Chapter 17, verse 18. Abram said, Lord, let Ishmael live before you. And God says, no. But Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son. You'll call his name Isaac. I'll establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant. How many know that's a good day to get depressed? I say, God, you gave me a vision. We believed for it. We put our heads together. We got our best ideas. We've actually created something that's decent here. All right? And you're telling me you're not taking him? God says, no. I said, well, then what in the world did you want from me? God said, I want to do to hear my voice, see my vision, and live out of it. Just like the Garden of Eden. You take a walk with me every day. I tell you what to do. You do it, and you live out of my voice, not your thoughts. Because your thoughts are not my thoughts. I said, okay, yeah, I think I got that. 
I behold the Lord always. Say always. always. At my right hand. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start walking with you always, just like King David did. And I'm going to see you right here, and I'm going to tune to you and say, Lord, what do you think about this? I'm going to get your flowing thoughts. I'm going to live out of your flowing thoughts. And if I'm not sure for sure it came from you, I'm going to submit to my three spiritual advisors because you said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every rhema is confirmed. And once they say, yep, that was God talking to you, I'm going to run with that. Amen? Yes. Now that works. I have lived that lifestyle for 30 years. And I have far out-accomplished anything Mark Berkler could have done. I mean, I plan to be a dairy farmer in Lauville, New York, which would have been a wonderful job had God called me to it. But uh, he said, no, let's go ahead and saturate the world and change the world, all right? So uh, whatever job he calls you to do, and how many know he's called every one of us to lead in some capacity? Everyone's called to be a leader. I don't care if it's five or five million. That's irrelevant. He's called us to lead somebody somewhere. Amen? All right, so... Uh, I say, fine, God, and I won't, uh, I won't do stuff on my own anymore. If somebody asks me a question, I haven't journaled about it and heard your voice, I'm going to say, I don't know. All right, I'm going to hear your voice. I'm going to live out of your voice. That is my choice to live that way. Jesus chose to live that way. If you choose to live that way, say, I choose to live that way. All right, and you know what? We can make a little bit longer confession as we close this. If you would, uh, I'm going to give you a chance in a moment if you'd like to stand and and confess some things be with me that would be an affirmation of this sermon. And if you do stand and confess, here's what we'll be saying. We'll be saying, yes, Lord, I, I believe in the five senses of my spirit. I choose to have you fill them. I will only let you fill them. I will not let Satan fill them. Uh, and, and I choose to take the steps to make this happen in my life. If you want to do that, would you please stand right now? I will lead you in a confession where we will speak together before the Lord. And just declare our intent, the intent of our heart. Father, we thank you for the power of your word to instruct our lives. Father, we thank you for fathers in the Bible, fathers of faith who can model for us the steps of faith that you would have us take that we can become children of faith. And Father, today we declare that we choose to be children of faith. Say, I choose to be a child of faith. I choose to follow the model of Abraham. I will learn to hear your voice and see your vision. And whatever steps I need to take to hear your voice and see vision, I will take those steps because I will live in that reality. I will press in until I can hear your voice every day of my life and live out of it. I choose to ponder only what you speak. I will not ponder demonic negatives. I will only ponder what you say to me. Your light will fill me. I will speak forth that which you tell me to speak. And I will act in faith and obedience on the things you ask me to do. And I will expect a supernatural miracle far beyond my capacity. And when it occurs and people give me glory, I will point them to Jesus. I will say that was Jesus. In me, he did that. 
and I will give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah! Yay! Yeah, Lord! Amen! Amen, amen, amen! All right. Thank you, Mark, so much. Can you be seated for just a moment? Uh, I need to... Uh, <laughs> got a young man back there. Got to go to work. And there is a white Volkswagen van. Is that what it is? That's blocking him in. So if you own a white... Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's your wife. <laughs>